0: Ever wonder what it's like to face a 350-pound lineman who wants to smash you into the ground? I know what that feels like. Scott Mitchell here, and I want to tell you about my podcast, Helmets Off, where I talk about the pressures of being an NFL quarterback and some of the other pressures pro athletes face when the helmet is off. It's a podcast, and you can get it free on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and at kslsports.com.
1: Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show is part two of
0: our interview with Alex Bean of Divi. If you go to the person that you're trying to go after and you're like, here's what we do, here's why it matters to you, and that's like specific and concrete and it's impactful, you can send LinkedIn messages. You can get to their assistant. You can get to someone that's going to be like, all right, let me go talk to him, right? So for us, it was a lot of... We'd go to the 10 people at a company we thought either were the decision maker or around the decision maker, and then we're like, this is what we do. and This is why you guys have to talk to us. And that's the other thing.
1: If you missed part one, please go back and, and hear about uh, their big announcement here on Wednesday, raising $200 million and, uh, and how Divi works, what it is. We'll assume people know about these cards that you guys do and, and how the system works. But um, for you, Alex, when you uh, think about the choice to be right here, um, in Utah, you know, Silicon Valley, all sorts of other places are pretty exciting. Why come from Seattle to here?
0: Uh, yeah, so was it in Seattle. My partner Blake and I are both from Seattle, actually. So it's a very we could have easily said, hey, let's go back to Seattle and start this. Uh, frankly, I moved to Utah for the tech scene. Um, it was just because the ability to start something here is just more affordable um, than it is in Seattle or Silicon Valley. So that was a big part of it. Uh, then when we got here um, had the opportunity to do it. It's like let's keep it here. We've got the talent. We've got the accounting talent, the sales talent. We're getting much better at the tech talent. You know, I wouldn't say it's quite as strong as it is in Seattle or, or San Francisco, but it's strong enough. And you can see all these other amazing companies popping up. And it's like we're creating this ecosystem. Let's go build it.
1: I love it. Um, thinking about the name of the show here, innovation and leadership. There's so many folks in the startup space that. Um, maybe get a little self congratulatory about how how innovative they are and how disruptive they are and stuff like that um, What are some of your guiding principles? I mean you guys are obviously doing something right to to achieve this level of growth what are what are some of your
0: thoughts i want to be clear you just you just kind of said self congratulatory now you 're asking me to be self congratulatory so exactly. I feel like that was a setup <laughs> um, okay, how do I answer this without being self congratulatory uh no, I would say you know, As we think about innovation and trying to be like, all right, how do we, quote unquote, say innovative? Like we're competing, frankly, against like banks and card networks. So, you know, we're, we're a classic mouse against the elephant. Uh, and for us, it's about speed and, and pace and just saying like, well, yeah, what, you know, classic question. Why can't it be done that way? Right. And so we came into this space with no background in banks or cards and finance. So frankly, the, the the stack was, or the cards were stacked against us, but really it actually helped us because we were naive in a lot of this stuff. We're like, no, 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 like this Venmo experience out there for consumers does this. Why can't we do that for the business? Like, oh, Apple Pay gives you this. Why can't we do that for business? So for us, it was a big part about almost being naive to some degree to say like, why can't we just go build it that way? And then we went and built it
2: that way. Going along with that, um, can you walk through the ideation process for you guys? Because I, I look at it. And, and being in startups the last decade this has been like a huge pain for me uh, so as soon as I heard about Divi I was like oh my gosh finally someone is solving that problem and I think it's such a I mean you guys are disrupting very old industries very uh, kind of entrenched industries how, how did you guys come through that process for people who like earlier yeah. have an idea Yeah, so
0: one, I'm being honest, like being naive to some degree definitely helped. Uh, So if you look like, why wasn't it solved? And it's like, well, just ask yourself, why didn't the bank solve it? Like, well, first off, they're not software companies. And second off, nothing's broken for them. They're making a ton of money as banks. And the only reason that we feel like we've quote unquote solved something is we actually took what the banks were doing and what the software companies were doing. We so said, we're going to do it together. So we've had to navigate the old banking systems yeah. and bring it to that quote-unquote new age software, like this software can solve all things like mindset. So there's some pretty big moats to get into our space specifically because of the finance, the regulation, the compliance. Um, but yeah, it's the way every good product probably starts, which is like, oh, why, why can't I do it this way? Or, man, I have this problem. How do I fix it? That's We were running our own small businesses, had the same problems, and we are just like, no, we're going to do this.
2: Yeah, what are some success stories you've heard? I think you guys are very customer centric. Uh, as you talk to customers, what are some of the things that oh, yeah. that you're most proud of yeah. that Divi has enabled?
0: So Jane dot com uh, local group here, which you know was like our first larger customer versus you know a quote unquote real customer and. um they have like completely – they've eliminated like a full couple days of their time. Like the guy will send us notes like, hey, I'm going to go golfing today because I don't have to do expense reports. You know, it's it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's also like accurate. So for me, it's like that's awesome. Like we saved this guy – 20 hours at minimum this month of things that he was going to do. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, and we get a lot of, you know, people that come to us and they say, Hey, I saved, you know, you told me a story I think it was, you know, before it was off air that you saved money from a vendor that you were going to have to pay, but because you used our system, you know, they didn't charge you. But we've had a lot of those and it's just kind of like gratifying when you actually help people save money and time. That's been pretty fun. You know, in part one, we talked a little bit about
1: fundraising. Um, I'm interested in your experience when you think about uh, maybe thing, opportunities people are missing or, or ways that people are going about fundraising wrong. What are what are some of the mistakes you see? Is it that they're objectifying the money source and they're not actually building a real relationship? Is it what What are some of the the things that uh, maybe other folks are missing? Potential mistakes when fundraising.
0: Yeah. Um, I, so I think TAM is both a huge opportunity and a huge uh, crutch. So investors want the biggest TAM possible. That's the biggest market they can go to. How do you go after the market? Um, And and that's a question they're going to ask. But some people will will use that as the crutch of like, well, our TAM is so big. If we just get 0.5%, you know, look at how big we can be. You have to have like a tangible, logical, how are you going to get that 0.5%? Meaning like, how is your product going to get into market in a way that makes sense? Because again, as an investor, like, well, why can't this incumbent do that? And if they have 100x dollars that you have, if not way more, they're going to ask that question. And I think fundamentally, one thing that we did well is we said, look how big this market is because it is. Every company in the planet spends money and we're going to be in that market. But then we were able to say, okay, but here's how we're different and here's how we're going to market. Here's how we're going to go to. What was that answer? Yeah. So for us, it was the freemium model, right? Because we figured out a model that we could get paid while having a freemium approach. Uh, we knew exactly who we were selling to, which is controllers. We knew the type of companies because we'd done a bunch of pre-demos to figure out who our market was. And from there, it wasn't actually rocket science. Like from a marketing standpoint, it was just like, okay, if we just let 100 controllers know that we exist, then boom, like, you know, we're going to get 30 of them. Uh, a, a thing we did do that, which was unique is we actually took $100 on our cards, literally pre-loaded a card, sent it to controllers as like cold mail. And said, there's a $100 on this card go buy anything you want. So they'd go to Amazon and buy something. And then we'd see the transaction cause it was on our, our funds. And we'd be like, Hey, we call them and say, how's that Amazon transaction? And they're like, pretty good actually. You know, and then we'd talk to them how like that, you know, works in the system and what we're doing. So we kind of use that as a tool to get out there and, and let people know like, Hey,
2: this is how the product
0: works. And, uh, that was pretty fun.
2: That's awesome. Going along with that, what are, what are some of the marketing shifting a little bit more to that space? Uh, I, I would love to hear some of the other things you guys have done to stay fresh, stay creative because you are going up against such big players. How have you fought kind of that unconventional warfare to, to get more market share?
0: So on one hand, nothing crazy, right? You know, typical demand gen, typical email and and standard go to events and things like that. Um, I think for us though, it's about now as we, as we think longer landscape, Now we're trying to build our brand. We're trying to define a new category. We're trying to do things differently than we did. Like the beginning was just like, get someone to talk to you so you close a deal. But now we're going to larger scope and going farther down the chain. It is thinking through like, okay, we got to sponsor that event, but we don't have $5 million to do it. So how do we go there, right? And we did this at Silicon Slopes once the first year. And it was... We brought cookies with us and we brought dollar bills and we did different things to just be more uh, guerrilla warfare than just you know top-down money. And then also, specificity can cut through uh, um, dollars, meaning you don't have to go brand an entire event and tell everyone everything about you. If you have a specific message to your specific target and say, here's what we do and why it matters to you, the better you are at that, the more you can spend less dollars and people will respond.
2: Yeah. I think that's so great because I think so many companies see someone like a Nike as a startup and they're like, well, let's market like Nike. Start, You're not Nike. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can go spend
0: 20 million on, on, you know, 50 million, hundred million on something. And really it's about a brand and they have the ecosystem of Nike stores and Nike apparel to bring things in. We don't right? as a small company, you cannot do that or you'll go out of business very, very fast. So you have to kind of, um, slowly, slowly go from demand gen to brand and and try to build up together. And again, your marketing tactics are going to change as your company changes.
2: What are the, you've touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the specific things that you're now saying, okay, we got to shift or things you're excited about, uh, to get into as you, as you continue to grow with this new. So, so capital.
0: now that we, we created, um, we went out and got a couple thousand customers and we we just went straight to the customer and said, okay, we're, you know, here's what we do. We sign them up. Now we got the attention, of a lot of the channels, right? So now it's accounting channels, it's other bank channels and it's like, all right how do we help enable them to go sell it to their channels? So we had to go make noise and create attention. And now we've actually got to go execute through that channel. And I think that's where we're spending not all our time, but a lot of time over the next six months to figure out how to do that better.
1: So what's an example of that, of how you got attention?
0: Well, attention meaning like, okay, we're, we're here in Utah and we would go land customers that used to use Zions Bank or some other bank or whatever. And, and like you land enough of them and Zions is like, well, hold on, like, What's happening in the market, and uh, so if we have 15 customers that were using them and now using us, it's like that causes attention, or like an accounting firm, right? So like you know, there's Squire and Orem there's Advanced CFO. Dave Chase is the president of, and you know, they'll refer us or like, we'll go to some of their customers. Their customers will hear about us. They'll start telling them that we exist. And then now it creates like, well, now they want to know. And then it's like, okay, now Dave, you know, he'll go tell his other customers that we exist. So it's just getting your product into the hands of more people. And then it's like, oh, conversations are starting. The brand is starting to show up.
2: Going along with that, how do you now spread? I think so much of this is um, being in Utah where there's so much tech, there's so much excitement Hopefully that's helped as you guys have grown. How do you now expand beyond uh, and kind of become more of a national player? Yeah.
0: So Utah right now is like our sixth largest state, I think. So we, we do have pretty good exposure yeah. outside. Um, but in terms of how does our brand grow, I think yeah. it's partnering with those channels is a big one. If you're partnering with a well-respected accounting firm in Chicago, then you know that will help your Chicago presence. If you do, you know, if you go to a bank and work with a regional bank in Texas you know, they can get your brand out there. And I think that's some of the stuff we're doing. Can you talk about that? Because so many folks
1: who haven't worked at a big accounting firm or don't know anybody who works at a bank, they can't just call their buddy. Uh, Any kind of principles for approaching those kind of partnerships of like, here's a tangible thing that
0: you can do or... Yeah. Going back to what I just said earlier about cutting through the dollars with specificity, like if you go to the person that you're trying to go after and you're like, here's what we do. Here's why it matters to you. And that's like specific and concrete and it's impactful. You can send LinkedIn messages. You can get to their assistant. You can get to someone that's going to be like, all right, let me go talk to him. Right? So for us, it was a lot of, we'd go to the 10 people at a company we thought either were the decision maker or around the decision maker. And then we're like, this is what we do. This is why you guys have to talk to us. And that's the other thing. If you send a note, that's like, Hey, we're doing this. It's super nice. We'd love to get your opinion on it. Like those guys are busy. Like there, no one's going to respond to that, but you make a bold statement. Like we will save you 10%. Like next year, if we work together, you guys can land 20% more customers, whatever your bold statement is. I think hey, yeah, you got to back it up by the way, but you know, make a bold statement, be specific and then kind of uh, shotgun that, that group of people with that specific statement. I think you can, you can go far.
1: Why do you think as tendencies though? So many of us don't aren't thinking in terms of the value, like you you make those statements, what's in it for them type of statements. Why do you think
0: that that isn't as natural for humans? I think because humans are innately selfish, including me. I'm like, I would say that's I'm innately a selfish person, which is horrible to admit, but it's true. And like when you read an email or when you send an email, you're like, Oh, look at this. I crafted this amazing email. Like, wow, this is incredible. But like, think about the person on the other side, they're going to receive 250 of these today. Why do they care about your email? Like, just because you wrote it or you built this company doesn't mean they care at all what's happening. And I think it's really hard to like put yourself in the shoes of someone else and being like, "Oh yeah, they have, they are busy and they don't care." And I've got to get them to care in two sentences. And I think it's you know, innately people just kind of think the world they live in is so important, and of course everyone else is going to know or hear or be interested in it, and that's just not true. So where you guys are, gro- you know, go from thirty staff to two
1: hundred staff. The people who are helping you scale how do you what does it look like helping them think in terms of the customer interest how do you guys how do you guys make sure that that's it's in hard. the
0: bones it's hard uh, if you walk around the office today, you'll see the TVs they have our our vision or our values and stuff like that and again <laughs> Yes, you can post values, but we try really hard to train on them every week. We have them on our TVs and embed it in our culture. And it doesn't happen overnight. You can't just put it on the wall and it's all of a sudden happening. So for us, it's, it's very much trying to tell stories of where we see it. We have Slack channels that talk about it uh, and really just trying to bring it to the, the attention of the company of like, here's an employee that represented like what we, wanted, what we want to see and, and, and try to just promote that as much as we
2: can. As you're looking at uh, the future uh, for Divi, what is the thing that maybe kind of your your stretch goal, your your big dream that you're like, I want to hit this? Uh, I will give
0: you two. I mean, and again, we say this internally, even like we, we understand the arrogance of the statement, but like we want to be the biggest company that's come out, ever come out of Utah. That's a big ask, right? You got quality, You got a lot of amazing companies. But for us, it's just actually a, an exercise of thinking big and an exercise of being like, why can't a company out of Utah be as big as a company out of San Francisco? Uh, and that's just something that Blake and I have, have beat into the drum. And, and Blake, I've, I've always given him credit for that, of like, no, 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 why not us? Like, think bigger. So fundamentally, it would be like, how do we become the biggest company to ever come out of Utah? That would be the big audacious call. Um, I think just from a from a different perspective of that that lens, it would be, you know what? Like, how do we change the way companies spend across the world? Like, how do we fundamentally change the way that companies spend and reconcile their money in a way that other people can copy us and it might be ubiquitous, but we're going to be the first ones that say, this is how you do pre-spend. This is how you budget. This is how you spend as a a group. If in five, 10 years, like that's just the de facto experience, that will be really cool. And and it will be, I think so. (laughs) Someone might copy us, you know, you know, like so, you know, some competitor might come out there and do it. But I do think the experience that we're on and there's polishing and things we want to do with it. But like fundamentally, I really do think we're going to change how people spend money.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Um, you know what I didn't think about is um, for people,
1: let's say somebody's listening to this and they want to check it out. Is coming to the website the best place?
2: Yeah.
0: Go to getdivvy.com. Um, no, it's two V's, right? And, yeah, two V's. So just getdivvy.com. And yeah, we'll, we'll show you the system. Again, it's whether you're a company. You don't even have to be in finance if you're a business owner. If you're someone who spends money, it's an interesting conversation to have. You know, if you hate doing expense reports, which I'm sure is basically everyone who's listening, uh, you know, we, we'd like to say that we're a pretty good solution to solve that. So. Um,
1: another one. I'm, I'm a real book nerd. Do you have any favorite books? Uh, did you read the Theranos
0: one that just came out? Bad blood. Yeah, bad I've, blood. I've heard great things oh, about man. it. I Haven't been through it yet. I'm an Audible guy, so I listen when I travel. But that one was a good. That was a good listen. It made me really nervous. I actually was like, "Wait a minute, what am I? Am I going to get arrested?" And I'm trying to figure out like what I'm doing <laughs> that you know might get me arrested. But um, honestly, I love actually um, explore books. So into Africa, uh, the Magellan book, across the world. There's some really cool books about just people that you know navigated. Antarctica for the first time and, and navigate the globe. Those ones actually are just a little bit unique that I, I find really compelling.
2: That's great. I've never heard of those.
0: You, you got to actually read the, uh, Sir and Shackleton story, endurance across Antarctica. Oh it's yeah. unbelievable. Really? That and uh, the Magellan one across the world. Uh, yeah. They're incredible. You know, it's, it's
1: interesting how often, um, folks get inspired from sources outside their lane, you know, and, and yet, You know, like you hear there's, there's folks that I really respect that I think of as like real hard-nosed business thinkers who've said stuff like using fiction to be inspired, like looking at the, looking at the values that somebody in fiction lived as an inspiration, and it's, that's not a traditional source. What is it about the Explorer books that get, that you enjoy?
0: Well, I was actually going to make uh, – so Blake, my co-founder, and I, we it's like an internal joke. We understand we're old and we shouldn't, but we love Harry Potter. Like the two of us just grew up on it. We still talk about it. It's like our thing, you know? So it's like – it's Harry Potter. It's a kid's book. But at the same time, like you enjoy the story and like how it brings it about, and you can apply that to your life. And for me, the, the Explorer books is like – Here's a person that didn't know that the Pacific Ocean existed. And they said to themselves, we're going to cross the globe. We're going to do it. We have no idea how we're going to do it. Or we're going to cross Antarctica on foot. Never been done before. We're going to do it. That's a startup. Like you, You're you like, I'm going to cross the globe. You have no idea how you're going to get there. You know you're trying to get to India, but you don't know what's in between. And you're going to face the Pacific Ocean, right? Like That's what I talked about earlier. You are going to face your Pacific Ocean. It's happening. So, prepare for it or don't go on the journey if you're not prepared for it um and i think when you read those explorer books you're just like eh, they had no idea what was going to happen next time they stopped off on the land they'd either get killed or they get trade and i think that's a lot like a startup you have no idea what the future is you know what you're trying to do but there's a whole lot of unknown and you just gotta gotta go for it i love it well um as we wind down here maybe we'll end with uh, one of my
1: other favorite questions um if you could go, if you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some advice, what do you think it'd be?
0: So, the advice that someone gave to me early on, and I kind of felt I, I followed it a little bit later, and I think I would have. Um, I wish I would have done better in school, but that's a separate thing. Um, I would say like it's all, learn, like learn, learn before you earn. And what I mean by that is like. There's a lot of jobs. You can go get paid pretty well. Your wife's going to be happy and you're going to be happy and you can get like a, if you but if you're trying to grow and be the best version of yourself, startup or not, like, I don't think it really matters. Go take the jobs, not because of the pay. It should be like the last question you ask. It's like, who's going to give you the opportunity? Who are you going to learn from at that company or at that position that's going to teach you the most? What industry of vertical is growing at a pace that will create more opportunities? And I would I would go back to myself again as as a young person. I told you, you know, before we were on air that I used to work at a TV station out of school. And the second I walked into that building, I should have walked out. I should have said, cubicles, dark, musty, no innovation, red tape, like this will teach me nothing outside of a paycheck. And I and that's the advice I'd give. Like if I'm younger, Go find the opportunities and jobs that are going to push you, they're challenge you, but they might not pay a ton. And that's okay. Like who cares if you get paid in your 20s? If you do it right, it matters about what you get paid in your 30s and 40s and 50s.
1: Love it. Well, thanks again for making so much time for us. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you'll remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.